Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So it's been a little while since we've been in the book of Joshua. God's led my heart to uh, some other areas of late. And so let me just get us caught up. The last time we were in Joshua together, we were actually in chapter 14 with Caleb receiving his inheritance from the giant sons of Anak in Hebron. And this concluded seven years of fighting as the Lord led his people through the leadership of Joshua to overcome the enemies of God and win the land. And if you look back in chapter 14, the last words of that chapter were the important words that the land had rest from war. And so in the chapters that followed, the conquered lands were then distributed <coughs> excuse me, among the ten tribes. Chapter 15 set the boundaries of the lot that pertained to Judah. In chapter 16 to the people of Ephraim and chapter 17 to the half-tribe of Manasseh. And we'll, discover the, we'll discuss the other half in a little bit as we mentioned them uh, in our text this morning. Uh, the children of Benjamin received their inheritance in chapter 18. And then the children of Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, uh, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan received their lots respectively in chapter number 19. In chapter 20, we read of the designation of the cities of refuge, where one who had killed another by accident might go to that city and live in safety from those who might otherwise seek vengeance. And then in chapter 21, the priests of Levi, they were, they were not to receive a particular parcel of land as the other uh, members, uh, sons of Joseph, but they, uh, they were instead assigned 48 individual cities. And all of those are listed by name in chapter 21. I want to direct your attention back to chapter 18, however, and because it's very important for us to take notice what happens there in verse number 1. Because the Bible informs us that the tabernacle of the congregation had also reached its resting place in the city of Shiloh. One day Solomon will build a temple in Jerusalem. But the tabernacle that uh, Moses had built in the uh, book of Exodus had traveled along. And so its, its resting place happens in the city of Shiloh. And that's, that's important. Because it was there that the children of Israel would offer their sacrifices unto the Lord. And it's the location of the Ark of the Covenant uh, within the Holy of Holies. Would you turn your Bible, you're in the book of Joshua. If you go one book to your left, not very far, I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Because the, the resting place of the tabernacle is significant for reasons we'll see it within this message. And I want us to read in Deuteronomy 12 the commandment of the Lord to really set things up as we go forward in the message. Look at verse 10 with me. Deuteronomy 12, verse 10. The Bible says, But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety... Then there shall be a place 
which the Lord your God shall choose to call his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I commanded you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your heave offering of your hand and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. And so that place is recognized in Shiloh, okay? Now go one more book to your left to the book of Leviticus. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm sorry, two books to your left. Uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua. So look at Leviticus chapter number 17. And this this is very important uh, because it's listed here in the Word of God. And you need to know this to understand the context of Joshua 22. Leviticus 17, look in verse number 8 with me. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers which sojourn among you, that offereth a burnt offering or sacrifice, and bringeth not unto the door of the tabernacle the congregation, to offer it unto the Lord, even that man shall be cut off from among his people. So the reason this is significant is because there were not to build another altar to offer their sacrifices. God had designated, he had gave the blueprint out to Moses of how the tabernacle was to be constructed. Everything that went within the tabernacle, the altar, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, everything God had laid out for them to bring their offerings. And so when they were to go and present themselves before the Lord, they were to take their offering and give it to the priests, and there the sacrifice was made. And it was to be made now in Shiloh, okay? Anyone who offered up an offering elsewhere was to be cut off from the Lord. Has everybody got that? Say amen. Is that clear to you? <clears throat> so Shiloh was the chosen location. Now go back to Joshua 22. And as we get to our text, our attention is directed in this chapter to the remaining two and a half tribes. Nine and a half, I'd mentioned to you in chapters 15, 16, 17, and 18, and 19 received their inheritance on the west side of Jordan, the, what we know as Canaan's land or the promised land. And now the, the attention is directed back to the other two and a half, Reuben, Gad, and the other half of Manasseh. And just so, just so you know the background here, these two and a half tribes received their inheritance already in Numbers chapter 32. It was there that they approached Moses asking for the land that they had conquered east of the river Jordan. And they chose this land not for the spiritual blessing, but they chose it for the material blessing. Because Numbers 32 says that they had a great number of cattle, okay? And they recognized that that land was good for cattle. And so they asked Moses, rather than us going over to the west and getting our possession, can we not just have our possession here where the land is good for our, our herds of animals, uh, when, I, when, you, when you think about that, we think about Abraham's nephew, Lot. You remember 
Abraham, God had blessed Abraham and Lot to the point that they, they really couldn't stay together. And Abraham told Lot, he says, you take your choice of where you want to go. And Lot chose his inheritance in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that was the place where God rained down fire and destroyed those areas. And, 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 and Lot lost his wife and his family was uh, just really just become a mess uh, because of the relationships that were built there. But Moses honored the two and a half tribes' request as long as all of their men went forth to war alongside of their brothers until they had won peace in their lands west of the Jordan. So they built fenced cities and they left their wives and their children back on the east side and their herds and their animals and they went to war with all of the others. And so now following seven years of battle, Joshua dismisses uh, these two and a half families to finally return home to their wives and their children. And we see, we see in verses 1 through 10 the dismissal of the two and a half. And as, so as Joshua dismisses them, he sets a wonderful example to all who serve in leadership by recognizing the character and contributions of those who helped his campaign be a success. None of us succeed without the help of other people. Are you with me? None of us do. Uh, people can talk about the greatness of Somerville Baptist Church. It's great because of the people of Somerville Baptist Church. Are you with me? It, it's, it's, it's because people get behind the vision. They love one another. They work in unity with one another. Joshua recognizes the contribution that the two and a half offered. And so he recognized their character. So read with me, okay? Verses 1 through 4. <coughs> then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you into your tents and unto the land of your possessions which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. So he honored them. He recognized them. Now let me make this statement. All right. All of us at some time will be discharged from our place of service. Okay? All of us will be. Now, maybe the Lord will move you to a different church, to a different ministry. Maybe you take a job and you move to another place of the country. Um, but you'll be discharged. Some will be discharged by retirement. I think of David and Beth, who have now moved up to Indianapolis or Anderson, Indiana, and are with Daniel, and they're loving it, by the way, and they said that they love all of you and miss you. They're going to live with other family. Some of us will be discharged by death, all right? The important thing is this. How we leave is as important as how we came on. 
Amen? Because it is important that we live every day of our life with honor and integrity, with, with the right kind of character, so that you're going to be missed when you leave. Amen? And so Joshua is recognizing these, these, these guys, these warriors, they were, they were not being dismissed because, thank God they're gone, thank God they're out of here. They're being dismissed to go back home, but they served with character, and they fought alongside of their brothers, and they, they're going to be missed because they're not there. Everybody got that? That's important because of what takes place uh, coming up in just a little bit. He recognized their character. Then he reminds them of their commitment to remain committed in verse 5 and 6. Read with me. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went unto their tents. So they still had a responsibility to the Word of God. Many times the mistake is made by looking at the Old Testament law or looking at New Testament doctrine and only seeing a list of do's and don'ts. But the center of both are the same. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, Moses testified, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And in Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked by a certain lawyer, which is the greatest commandment, Jesus responded, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. <coughs> Listen, it's not hard to obey the word of God if we love the master who wrote it. Are you with me? It's not a, it's not a, listen, children have no problem obeying their parents if their heart is right toward their parents. And you have no problem obeying rules or anything if your heart is right toward the one who set up everything. And so Jesus is saying, Moses was saying, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And if you do that, everything else will fall into place. And then he tells them in verse 7 through 9, he says, return with your riches. Read with me again. Now to the ha one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given Bashan, and, but unto the other half thereof gave Joshua among their brethren on this side, Jordan, westward. And when Joshua sent them away also in their tents, then he blessed them. And he spake unto them, saying, return with much riches unto your tents. And with very much cattle, with silver and with gold and with brass and with iron and with very much raiment, divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go into their country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed, according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. They weren't going empty-handed. Every, they, they were taking the spoils of war back home with them. You remember Achan, when Achan took the accursed thing and he, he chose to go against the word of God? But eventually God allowed them to take the spoils and all of those things. And when Joshua was sending them back home, 
He's saying, take all the riches with you. Take your portion with you and go back and be with your families. And verse 10 is where things begin to get interesting. As one act leads a nation to the brink of civil war. Read verse 10 where we see the replication of the altar. And when they came into the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to. So they built there a replication of the altar that was God's altar that was set up in Shiloh at the tabernacle of the congregation. And we're going to learn in just a few moments that the reason for building such an altar was based on good intentions. But even the best of intentions can sometimes be misunderstood when there's no explanation. So just as all of us have at times been guilty ourselves, the children of Israel were quick to judge their brothers based on a reasonable assumption that so infuriated them, they were ready to slay those they once fought alongside of. So we see the accusation of the two and a half. Now we're going to read verses 11 through 20 together, okay? <clears throat> and the children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan and the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. This so infuriated them. Now, let's get this before I go to verse 13. We're not, we're not talking about people that they don't get along with. We're talking about a group of people that they fought alongside of. We're talking about, we're talking about men who left their wives and their families and their homes for seven years so that you could get to where God wanted you to be. These are people that they had a great relationship with, fought with, bled with prayed with, sought the blessing of God, saw the victories, and also experienced the defeats together. But when Israel finds out that they've built this altar, all of the children of Israel are so upset that they come together ready to go to war. Which brings us to verse 13. And the children of Israel sent until the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest. And with, him, and with him ten princes of each chief house, a prince throughout all the tribes of Israel. And each one was head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. And they came and the children of Reuben, the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, unto the land of Gilead, and they spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord. What trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord and that you have built an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord? 
Is the iniquity of Peor too little for us from which we are not cleansed until this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. But that you must turn away this day from following the Lord. And will it be, seeing you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be wroth with a whole congregation of Israel? Notwithstanding that the land of your possessions be unclean, then pass ye over unto the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us. But rebel not against the Lord, nor rebel against us. And building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the cursed thing? And wrath fell on the, all the congregation of Israel? And that man perished not alone in his iniquity? The children of Israel wanted the blessing of God upon their nation. And they saw the construction of such an altar as an abomination. Which I had you read Deuteronomy 12 and Leviticus 17 for this purpose. It was an abomination. Are you with me? It was against scripture. And so they're looking at it and they're saying, they are going against the word of God. They're not right with God. And if we don't deal with this, the, the, not only will the curse, of the wrath of God fall on them, it's going to fall on all of us. We need the blessing of God. You need the blessing of God in your family. Amen? All right? And so you need, you need, children need to be sure that dad is right with God. We need to be sure that mom is right with God. And this church needs the power and blessing of God upon it, right? And as some people think, well, it's, it's no big deal. I'm just one or two. I'm going to tell you something. You can kill the Spirit of God moving in this place. You can grieve the Spirit of God moving in this place if you think that what you're doing or your sin doesn't matter. And so they're looking at this. And they're, they're looking at from afar and scripturally what the two and a half are doing is not right. And so they... They deal with them. Thankfully, they didn't send an army. Thankfully, they didn't go knocking on their door with swords and spears ready to just kill them. Instead, they sent a small representation of the ten tribes and led by Phineas. And Phineas reminded them of what happened in Peor and reminded them of what happened with Achan and how that sins committed affected more than just the ones who committed them. And so he invited them. He says, listen, why don't you just leave that land, and if it's an unclean land, leave that land and come over with us. Take the possession among us. Don't rebel against God. Don't get out of the will of God. Now we see the response of the two and a half. Again, we'll begin reading verse 21. Read along with me. Then the children of Reuben... And the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and Israel he shall know. If it be in rebellion, or if in transgression against the Lord, save us not this day, that we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord. Or if to offer their own burnt offering or meat offering. Or if to offer peace offerings their own. 
Let the Lord himself require it. He is saying, they are saying, if our heart is not right with God, if we have built this altar to turn away our hearts from God, if what we have done is an abomination to the Lord, then, then may God pour his wrath upon us and save us not. But he says, and they go on to say in verse 24, and if we have not rather done it for, this, for fear of this thing, saying, in time to come your children might speak unto our children, saying, what have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, ye children of Reuben and children of Gad. Ye have no part in the Lord. So shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, let us, not, let us now prepare to build us an altar, not, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us, that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your children may not say to our children in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be when they should say to us, to our generations in time to come, that we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. So maybe the fact that they built the altar looked like they were acting contrary to the word of God. But that wasn't, that wasn't the reason. They were thinking about their children and their grandchildren and their children and grandchildren. They built this great altar to remind all future generations that they also followed the one true God. And the only thing that separated them from their brethren, brethren in the west was a river. Now before I go on, let me say this, Steve. One might argue that the best way to assure that, that you and your family are right with God and part of the family of God is not to build a monument, but to be diligent in teaching your children the ways of the Lord. I give this as an example, Doc. It's a lot better to actually teach our children about Christ than to simply have a cross hanging on the wall in the living room. The cross is a symbol of our faith. Are you with me? But our children's faith will grow if we're diligent in actually teaching them why Jesus died on that cross. Perhaps showing them how to serve is more vital than having a plaque on our front porch that says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I mean, that's a good reminder. But if we're really going to serve the Lord, then I'm going to spend time teaching my children how to serve the Lord. Right? And if we really want people to know that, hey, we're a part of Somerville Baptist Church, then you need to be actively involved in bringing your children and your family to Somerville Baptist Church, right? 
I mean, don't say that you never attend, but you say five years from now, oh yeah, I'm part of that church. You had not been there in five years. So what I'm saying is this, BJ. Actually teaching the Word of God, actually coming together with God's people is more important than building an altar that replicates God's altar. Actually serving, actually listening, actually participating, actually growing, actually worshiping is greater than having a monument within our home or on our borders. Now, look in verse 30. And we see the retreat of the ten. And when Phineas the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. Underline those three words, it pleased them. And Phineas the son of Eleazar the priest said unto the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. Verse 32, And Phineas the son of Eleazar the priest and the princes returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead unto the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel. And the children of Israel blessed God and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed, for it was for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. So the answer that Phineas and the ten representatives received pleased them. They were pleased with the explanation. And they went back to their people, and everyone blessed God together, and civil war had been averted. So I got through all of that to get to the main point of the message. And that is this. How often have we gotten angry with someone based on an assumption or gossip that we had heard and made our own conclusions to the point that disunity takes place Arguments take place, feelings are hurt, and relationships are destroyed simply because what we heard led us to want to go to war. It happens in the home. We have our perception of how things should be, how the conversation should take place, We think that our spouse should be doing this. Our spouse should react this way. We have our own assumptions and judgments. And before you know it, we're lashing out at one another. And nobody is listening. All we are doing is arguing and fighting. That's the truth. And we see it at work where somebody's not happy about how the other person is doing their job. And the truth is, we never really made clear their responsibility. We just assume that they're supposed to accept it and know exactly what to do. And so we're mad and we're bike-biting and we're going to work every day angry at somebody else. And, and we get to the point where we just cannot stand to go to work. 
We'd rather quit our job and leave and go somewhere else. When the truth is, the problem is our own heart. And trouble will follow us wherever we go until we learn how to deal with issues the right way. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that the other ten, the whole congregation of Israel are angry and upset with two of their, two of their brothers who they fought beside, bled with, who they loved for all of these years. Seven years, they fought together, bled together. Like I said earlier, saw the blessing of God and the, the victory and saw defeat. But they're departed for just a little while. And based on an assumption, which in their mind they can use scripture and say, listen, you're out of the will of God. You need to get right with God. And could have gone in there and destroyed and killed one another. Standing on the basis that I'm standing on truth. When we are so self-righteous, we are so self-righteous that there's no way that we could be wrong. They have to be wrong. And people refuse to have a conversation. They refuse to sit down quietly and try to seek peace out with one another. To sit down and say, hey, listen. This has come to my attention. And I feel like we need to talk about this. And maybe... Maybe I'm not understanding it right. Maybe I'm not seeing it right. Maybe, maybe I don't have all the information. But this is what I know. This is what I heard. Let's sit down and let's talk. And let's see if we can get things right. Is that so hard to do? It is hard to do. It is hard to do because people, they would rather get mad and just separate than humble themselves and try to make things right. And that's a sad thing. Can I encourage you in your own homes? And I want you to take this the right way. Because... If, if, if you've been divorced before, I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to be hard on you. But every home, and you are with your spouse, divorce should never be an option. Because I see it so often. People get mad at one another, and suddenly they're ready to just quit. Fight for it. Try to rectify it. Try to come together. I'm not saying that sometimes divorce isn't necessary. I'm not, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I realize that that is the case sometimes. But there is a, there is a thing in, in America today. And I see it. I see it in homes. I see it in churches. I see it at workplaces. People would rather just quit than to try to come together and make things right. You understand me? 
they were ready to kill one another. The ten were ready to go kill their brothers because they saw something that was scripturally wrong. And when they actually had a conversation, the brothers said, you know what, if I'm wrong, God help me. But I want to be clear, that what you're thinking is not my intention at all. That wasn't my intention. I'm really meaning to help my family. I'm sorry, you, you, I, I can understand why you see it that way. And I'm sorry that it gave that impression. I'm sorry that I didn't communicate with you well enough of why I was choosing to do this. But I want you to know, I didn't mean you harm. I didn't mean my family harm. I'm actually hoping that we all come together and stay together. Are you with me? Let's not be quick at judging one another. Let's be quick to forgive one another. Let's not be quick to kick one another, but let's be quick to help one another. When Phineas and them heard their heart, they come back and said, you know what? What they did is okay. I understand what they did. They come back and told everybody else, we're good. We don't have to go to, put your swords up. We're done. We can dwell in peace together. God's blessing is still upon us, our homes and our families. I believe that we allow too many little things into our lives to the point that we have conversations in our heads and we are fired up and angry and we've never even talked to the person. Amen, amen, amen. I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to help us all to avoid civil war. I'm trying to help you in your home. Stop lashing out. Take a minute. If you're both angry, take a moment. Separate for a little while and come back calmly and listen to what each other has to say. If you got a problem with someone in this church, go to them. That is how Matthew 18 set it up, is it not? Go to them individually. You don't have to tell everybody else. Go to them individually and talk with them. And if they're wrong and they're not right with God and they're out of the will of God, then you can get a couple people involved in bringing them. But you still don't have to tell everybody. And the goal should always be coming back together, not proving who is right. Everyone who has to be right never wins. If you have to be right, you'll never win. You'll, lose, you'll always lose more than you gain. Always. Let us learn from this example. These were not people who come from different backgrounds and have different philosophies and, and can never find anything in common. These are people who loved one another, served together, 
fought together, lived together for seven years. And one little thing, they're not really just a disconnect, they're ready to kill. God, help us to always choose grace and mercy first. Because is that not what God offered to all of us, Larry? God took our sins on the cross and judged us there. Rather than judging all of us the way we really should have been judged. Always choose grace and mercy first. Help one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Help one another. Have a spirit that you can pray for those that maybe you're not even right with, but you can pray for them. Let God do a work in your heart. Let's bow our heads. Would you please?